and welcome to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast from right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We post our Sunday messages here each week and the occasional special announcement or series. You can visit vineyardchurch.us and select Springbrook from the menu to learn more about us or to access our audio archive. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And now, here's the episode. So we're reading from Romans 12. Still Romans 12, but new verses. All right. So 17 through 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say... I will take revenge, and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. It sounds so good till that line right there. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that is so, oh, okay. All right, sorry. All right, so 21. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be to God. <laughs> it has to be right up till the end. I was like, he's going to make it through the whole scripture without doing a little commentary, but he can't. He can't do that. <laughs> I love it and agree. Um, hi, how are you? I'm hoping that my voice is going to hold out for the next 30 minutes. 30, 20, let's be honest, um, minutes, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. If it gets too bad, um, I'm going to pick somebody on the front row to come finish things, so we'll see. Um, uh, I have one thing uh, that has come up very recently, so didn't make the announcement video, um, and it's this. We have uh, two ministries that uh, folks in our church love and work with. One is called Lost Sheep, and it's a ministry to homeless folks. Uh, the second is called Raising a Voice, and it is also a ministry to um, uh, homeless, addicted, and um, uh, sex-trafficked women uh, in Knoxville. Both of these ministries are in need of clothing right now. Um, and so if you are, like, cleaning out closets, uh, you know, back to school, clean out, I don't know. Um, if you want to bring those clothes here, we will get them where they need to go. But there's a couple of specific things. Um, for for men, really what is needed most um, are very small sizes. So smalls and mediums or like pant size 28 to 32, kind of that window. Um, and then uh, for women, um, it really is all sizes and all kinds. Uh, uh, but uh, Raising a Voice asks for specifically athleisure wear. Uh, so if you want to Google athleisure, uh, that kind of stuff. So, uh, But really, I think everyone will take anything, but those are uh, some specific needs that we have. We'll put a bucket in the back for the next couple of weeks if you want to bring clothes and we'll get them where they need to go. So uh, let's pray and we'll jump in. So Jesus, uh, I'm grateful for this room and for these people. I feel like that's my prayer every, uh, every time I pray on a Sunday morning is just one of deep gratitude uh, for who you are, but for the way uh, that you show up here and the way you show up uh, in the lives of these people who I love so much. And so I just asked for that this morning. Um, would your presence uh, fill? We actually believe that your presence has filled this room. Um, but would you give us eyes to see uh, your presence at work? Would you give us the courage to join what we see that you're doing? Um, I thank you for your kindness and generosity that uh, is 
uh, at times inescapable. And so I just pray that this Sunday would feel like one of those times. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Um, all right, so we have two weeks left in Romans 12, including this week. We are finishing out the verses of Romans 12 uh, today, and then next week we're going to tie up loose ends. How do we have loose ends after spending three months in Romans 12, you ask? I don't know, but we probably do. So um, so we're going to uh, just have a little bit of fun next week. Uh, but today um, we are going to talk about revenge. So uh, welcome to church. Um, I did, I did a lot of reading this week on, on revenge um, from theologians. Uh, uh, I want to just clear the air with this uh, this morning that this sermon has a lot of parts just straight up stolen from Tim Mackey at the Bible Project, who is uh, one of the great geniuses of our time. And social commentaries, a lot of him this week. I read psychologists and news articles and, and social commentaries and biblical uh, commentaries. And then I found myself in a, in a, deep, <laughs> a long, deep hole of very funny stories about revenge, which is not really the vibe of our, our scripture this morning. Morning, but um, I did read one about a man who bought a used car for $600 in the name of his ex and then parked it at O'Hare International Airport and racked up over $100,000 in parking fees in his ex's name. Isn't that awful? I read about another person, this one is also awful, that carries around zip ties in their purse or car. And when they see someone who's taking up two parking spots uh, in a place, they zip tie a shopping cart to the hand door handles of their car. This is not for ideas for you. These are, these are frowned upon things that made me laugh this week. But if I see you do it, I will not laugh. I mean, I will. And then I'll be like, don't do that. Um, this, okay, and then this was the, this was the worst one. Uh, another person I read about this week says that whenever they get mad at someone, oh gosh, whenever they get mad at someone, uh, they bake them a dozen chocolate chip cookies, and then they put one raisin in every single cookie just to mess with the mind of the person that they do, which I think is the most savage one I've read. I was talking about this with some friends this week. Like, I, I do not want to be surprised by a raisin. That is not a good surprise. Like, I'm not anti-raisin, but I am anti-being surprised by raisins. They, they should be clearly labeled. Like, if I want to eat a raisin, I would like to make that choice and consent to that myself. Um, anyway, that, n- none of that's in my notes. Um, I, I, I did find myself in this rabbit hole of very funny revenge stories, and I found myself laughing very hard, and I think the reason for that is because there's something very human about wanting revenge. Like there's something um, very human, something in all of us that kind of delights in someone getting uh, what they deserve. Uh, Psychologists tell us this. Um, I read about a study that a group of Swiss researchers did where they wanted to um, actually watch people's brains um, during like the process of of thinking about revenge. And so they set up a game in a lab where uh, during this game, they set it up that half of the people would be betrayed by the other half of the people um, or have like some unfair stuff during the game. Uh, And then the researchers scanned the brains of people um, while they were playing. And so they watched their brains as they had been wronged uh, during this game. Uh, And then the researchers gave the people who had been wronged the chance to uh, retaliate against the people who had wronged them, Um, a, a chance to like punish them for what they had done. And then they watched the brain scans during this uh, uh, place. And what they found was that uh, in the minute that they gave these people to consider, do you want to punish the people who wronged you? In that minute, they found 
a rush of neural activity in the caudate nucleus, which is the reward center of the brain. This is the same area of the brain that loves uh, cocaine and nicotine. That is how excited the brain got about the idea of revenge. It turns out that it is a very human thing to desire revenge. And Paul, it turns out, is writing this letter to humans. Uh, He's writing this to us, to people. And specifically, he is writing it to people who have been wronged because we have, it is also a very human thing to be wronged, to be betrayed. Uh, And and he's writing this to uh, people for whom revenge will sound very sweet. Uh, the Swiss researchers kept the, uh, the scans going and they noticed something else. They noticed that the positive interaction of the brain um, when considering revenge slagged off substantially after the first minute, which I think is incredibly interesting. What they found was that people uh, who chose the revenge against the other group actually experienced a prolonged unpleasantness about the, uh, about the original effect. It seems that while uh, we find delight in thinking of taking revenge, when we actually do it, it has the exact opposite effect in the brain from, the first, uh, from that first moment of consideration. And so according to science, and I think according to Paul, um, <laughs> we're onto something here. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Uh, This part of Romans 12 that uh, Justin read, that I just reread, is is, uh, Paul, his teaching here is echoing a teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, where Jesus says, and you can find this in Matthew 5. I don't have it on the screen, but Matthew 5, and I'll start at verse 38. He says, you have heard, this is Jesus, you have heard that the law says that the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer your other cheek. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands you carry his gear for one mile, carry it for two miles. Give to those who ask and do not turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? If you're only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Uh, around here, we've talked uh, at great length during different seasons of life about the Sermon on the Mount, um, about how influential it has been in human history. Um, but in this section um, that I just read is in some ways like the pinnacle of human ethics. Um, or maybe it's better to say that Jesus on this mountain uh, uh, said on this mountain and someone wrote it down, uh, the history of human ethics changed based on this thing that Jesus said. And then Christian or not, it became like um, a directional sign for how to be a person of ethics. It's been quoted over and over and over again in Christian thinking and not Christian thinking. Um, I told you this sermon, I had a whole lot stolen from Tim Mackey, this part I'm really going to lean on him for. Um, But Jesus talks about revenge uh, in an incredibly uh, pointed and very countercultural way. 
Uh, what he does, uh, Jesus stands next to the law of the Torah that says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Um, but he doesn't get rid of it, but he expands the thinking around it. And he widens the thinking around it. And I think he puts some interesting action on that idea. Uh, he talks about the law of the Torah, the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, and while this law sounds like revenge law, it actually wasn't. Um, when God gave this law to his people, uh, he gave it to them in order to protect the poor and the marginalized. Um, that it, What happened is this was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It, what it did is it made every single person, regardless of power or wealth, become equal under the law. Like all eyes are eyes. All teeth are teeth. All hands are hands. All feet are feet. But this isn't necessarily how the law was actually lived out in Jewish culture. While God's intention may have been to uh, make all people equal under the law, what happened instead was there was this like um, apocryphal teaching that used this Old Testament law as revenge law. Teaching that God said to love our neighbors and to hate our enemies. And when they take our eyes, we should take theirs. And when we, they take our teeth, we should take theirs. This, that feels really weird to say today. I don't know that that happens a lot. But, you know, fill in your own blank. When they take your Tesla, you should take theirs. I don't know. Anyone? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but that's not it. Uh, that is what Jesus says. Jesus is like, the revenge law, the revenge interpretation of this is not it. That is not the heart of the commandment that God made. He says, if you want to act as true sons and daughters of God, love your enemies. Pray for them. Paul says, do good to them. Uh, Jesus uses the uh, word here for love that's uh, very different uh, than our word for love. When Jesus says to love your enemies, the word he uses there in Greek is agape. And it's not that love is a bad translation in the English. It's that love is a bad English word. So uh, here's what I mean by that. Uh, we use love to talk about so many things. Like I will say I love tacos and I love ice cream and I love green beans. No one else on the green beans. Um, but then I also will say, I love my family, or I love Daniel, or I love my kids. Those are very different things, right? But we only have this one word that works for very different things. And in Greek, that's not true. In Greek, uh, there are multiple words for love. And so uh, this word uh, agape is something bigger. Um, like, I don't love green beans the way I love Daniel. There should be different words for, like, preferential love and sacrificial love. And agape moves more toward the sacrificial. It's, a, it's more nuanced than loving tacos. Uh, agape love is less about how you feel, and it's more about your frame of mind and a set of actions around that frame of mind. Uh, agape is an attitude of unselfish concern and alongside it a willingness to seek out the best for another person. It is the word most often used to describe God's love for us, uh, his image bearers. And Jesus is saying, I think, um, what he's saying is that the antithesis of revenge is agape. The antithesis of retribution is not the feeling of love, but the single relentless stance toward it and the action of kindness and generosity around it. And Jesus says that, that we can look to God to model this kind of love. And, and, and in order to do that, Jesus then starts talking about the weather, which is interesting. I usually talk about the weather in order to distract myself from whatever uncomfortable conversation is happening, you know, but that is not what Jesus is doing. He says, but I say, love your enemies, 
Pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. He says that to see what God's love is like, we can look to the sky. We can look to weather patterns. Where sunlight comes to both evil people and good. Where he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Uh, Jesus is, as he often, and I would argue pretty much always is, talking about the economy of God's kingdom, where God has agape for all people, where he has chosen a mindset of benevolence, an action of kindness and generosity toward all people, regardless of how they behave, regardless even of how they feel about him. Like, you don't walk around your neighborhood and it's like this beautiful sunny day right here and then on top of every bad person's house is a tornado, right? Like, that doesn't happen. You may have asked for that at some point in time, but that isn't what happens. Uh, Dallas Willard calls what Jesus is talking about here a God-saturated view of the world where grace is common to everyone. And things like laughter and good conversation and good food and good wine and sunrises and sunsets. These things are not exclusive to the friends of God, but they are accessible to everyone in the world because the world is saturated with God's kindness and it is saturated with his generosity. Uh, Tim Mackey says, there's something in weather that reveals God's bountiful generosity. God doesn't treat people or give his gifts to people according to how they behave. And so Jesus is saying, and I think Paul is later expounding on in Romans 12, is is what they're saying is, if this is what God is like, if God is kind and generous to both his friends and his enemies, if he is benevolent and generous regardless of behavior, then what should we as God's people also be like? And he guesses. Uh, agape is, is the challenge that Jesus offers us, a mindset, uh, a mind that is set on kindness and actions of generosity, regardless of the behavior around us. Or in Paul's words, as much as it is up to you, live peaceably with everyone. Uh, it's important here to remember that this is not a passive command of Jesus or a passive command of Paul. It's an active one. It's not a command to just like sit in your room and have warm, fuzzy feelings for your enemy or sit in your room and be soft on evil and act like everything's not a big deal. Uh, God is not soft on evil. He, he isn't. According to Jesus, evil exists in the world and it is, it is real and it is present and it does extensive damage that sometimes lasts for lifetimes or generations. It is not a passive view of evil. That's not what this commandment is saying. It is an active work against revenge. And that distinction is incredibly important, I think. Uh, N.T. Wright says that revenge is what keeps evil in circulation in the world. And so I think the call of Paul and the command of Jesus is one of action against the continued circulation of evil because God is not soft on evil. Uh, I want to quote Dr. King. Uh, from strength to love. He says this, he says, why should we love our enemies? The first reason is fairly obvious. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate. And it also adds deeper darkness to a night that is already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. 
Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence. And toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. Uh, The command is this. Follow Jesus out of the descending spiral of destruction. And the way out is not just like warm and fuzzy feelings for people who hurt you. That is not agape. Warm and fuzzy feelings is what we feel about tacos, right? That is not agape. The command is not fuzzy feelings for them. The command is to choose to see people how God sees them. As we said last week, even the worst stinker on earth was uh, made by God and whose life was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the thing. God chose an act of love on behalf of all people through Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And so Paul's command against revenge is a command to see people as image bearers of the one who made them. Uh, It's also a command that says we have not been given the authority of revenge. Uh, Paul quotes Deuteronomy 35, where Moses tells God's people uh, that vengeance belongs to God and not to them. That when it belongs to God, their feet will slip at the right time. They will be accountable for what they've done, but that belongs to him. And that does not belong to us. Accountability there belongs to God who is just and who is kind and who is generous but who is just. What he means is this. We have not been given the authority to treat someone as unloved whom Jesus loves and in in whose footsteps we follow. Here's the thing. Jesus does not withhold kindness or generosity from anyone. When a group of religious, I like was trying to find a point in the scriptures where Jesus does that and I can't find one. Here's, here's the ultimate example. When Jesus is arrested and he's about to go die, um, when he's arrested, uh, Peter takes out a sword. Do you remember this? He takes out a sword and he cuts the guy's ear off. What does Jesus do? He puts the ear back on and then lets him arrest him. Jesus uh, does not withhold kindness and generosity regardless of behavior. This is the kindness of generosity of God in full display through his son. So N.T. Wright says that if revenge is out for us, then what it means is that part of following Jesus means coming up with creative and surprising new ways to deal with the people who hurt us. That's not like come up with creative and surprising new ways to become an internet sensation for revenge that I read about this week. As Jesus people, I think what Paul is saying is that we do not have the right to withhold kindness or generosity from anyone who is an image bearer of God, which is everyone. Even the stinkers and the people that we cannot stand. That is the nuance of agape. It is a mindset of benevolence and the action of generosity that exists beyond what we feel. It's the kind of thing that happens when you absolutely cannot stand someone, but you choose kindness and generosity anyway. It is an active choice to absorb the cost of how they hurt you. Agape love is not based on how we feel about someone, but is instead based on what we believe about who Jesus is and how he deals with us, how we have been dealt with by him. Which means when your neighbor is the actual worst, but you find out they had surgery, you should pray the enemy's prayer that we pray a lot, and then you should probably take them dinner. It means when the meanest kid in your class um, doesn't bring a pencil to teacaps, and he asks for a pencil and you have an extra one, you should give him a pencil. 
It means when you have the most perfect plan of revenge that might make you, again, an internet sensation, you shut it down. And you become an internet sensation in another better way. Uh, I, I, I do want to say something here as directly as I know how to say it. Um, sometimes the most kind and generous thing that you can do in some situations is to call the police. If you have been violated physically or sexually, it is kind to call the police. That is not revenge. That is not what we are talking about. Also, sometimes we can use boundaries to punish people. Like, I don't like when you do that, so I'm just not going to be around you. But sometimes boundaries, more often than that, boundaries can be an act of kindness and generosity on our part. Of That is unsafe, and I will not be around that anymore. If you are not sure if your boundaries are like revenge or wisdom, ask someone that you trust. Okay, I want to talk about one more thing. You are so patient to listen to my voice sound like this for this long. One more thing um, before we go. I've done a lot of talking about how enemies uh, are, are outside of us, um, but I want to spend a few minutes uh, talking about something else because um, I don't know about you, but for me, one of the biggest enemies in my life is not outside me, but inside me. I am not a super vengeful person outside of me. I'm far too easily, too ADD to ever pull off a revenge plan. But when it comes to revenge, I am a master of revenge against myself. I am a professional of it. And I think a lot of us are. We punish ourselves often by withholding kindness to ourselves. I was talking to Justin about this this week. Um, We withhold kindness from ourselves. We hustle, we earn, we shame ourselves, we self-sabotage, we overfeed, we underfeed, we overwork, we underwork. There is no one on this earth that I punish uh, more than I punish me. And when I say that being part of, part of being a follower of Jesus means learning how to choose kindness uh, and act with generosity for anyone who bears the image of God, I'm not just talking about others. I'm also talking about us. I'm talking about us as well. Uh, there's a song by a man named Andrew Peterson that's called Be Kind to Yourself. Uh, If you Google anything this week, Google the music video of this week. We might even show you in a minute. Um, It's this lovely, lovely song, and he he wrote it for his daughter who was 12 at the time. Do you remember being 12? It's very hard, right? If you're here and you're 12, it's very hard. It's very hard. Uh, and, And he said that he would watch his daughter, that when things got hard in her life, he would watch her do this turn, and she'd be so mad at something outward, and then he would watch a turn where she would take whatever was going on outward, and she would turn it inward, and he would just watch her be so hard on herself, day after day after day. And he said it broke his heart to watch this with his little girl. And so one night he's in a room, and they're talking about this, and he's praying for her over it, and he said on his way out, he just said, you have to learn to be kind to yourself. You have to learn to be kind to yourself. And he left her room and he went and got in bed. And when he did, his wife was in his bed um, praying that he could hear the words that he had just said to his own daughter. That he could also learn how to be kind to himself because she watched the same cycle in him. And so he wrote this song and, and he calls this song an ambush of the kindness and love of God over his life. And I just want to read you some of the lyrics. He says, I know it's hard to hear it when that anger in your spirit is pointed like an arrow at your chest. Uh, When the voices in your mind are anything but kind and you can't believe your father knows best. 
I love you just the way that you are. I love the way you're shaping your heart. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. And then the trickiest line of all. He says, how does it end when the war that you're in is just you against you against you? You've got to learn to love your enemies too. Sometimes our enemies exist outside of us. And sometimes they are us. In either way, the command of the Father is to learn to love our enemies. To set our minds on kindness and our actions on generosity, even when that enemy is us. So I want to stop here and do something that we do every week. We call it Selah. It's not magic, but in my experience, the Spirit of God does tend to linger in a more accessible way in these few minutes of our service. And I just want to, I'm not going to boss you around this week like I normally do. I just want to give you a few minutes to sit with this, to uh, consider enemies. The way we define enemies around here is anyone that you compete with or avoid interacting with, which is a terrible definition. Um, And would you consider this end part? Uh, Do you have a uh, pattern in your life of revenge against yourself? Is there, I just, I don't know, I think the Holy Spirit wants to do something in us today around um, kindness to our own selves and seeing ourselves as enemies. So I'm just going to pray and bless it and give you a few minutes. Uh, God, I, I think I just want to pray the exact same way I did at the beginning. Would, would we feel your presence? Would we feel the safety of your kindness and generosity that allows us to be, um, uh, allows us the courage to be honest with ourselves about what we experience outside of us and what we experience inside of us? Uh, I pray that you would uh, give us the kind of kindness and mercy and generosity that trusts you to do the renewal of all things, that trusts you to hold people accountable for their actions. I pray that you would um, allow us eyes to see people how you see them. And then I pray that on our own lives. Would you give us eyes to see ourselves the way you see us? Would you give us an honest view uh, of our lives if if the war that we're in is just us against us against us against us? Would you allow us the grace and mercy to love our enemies when they are ourselves? Amen.